Hello and welcome to Group Tech Talks, the podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Viggers, co-founder at Limelight Health. And today is a special podcast, a work from home chat, talking about the why behind the recent Phineos acquisition of Limelight Health. And it is indeed a super exciting time to be serving in the employee benefits industry. And just to call out the why behind the Group Tech Talks podcast, um, really this is uh, podcast is meant to engage with relevant discussions that support group insurance digital transformation. So if you're driving innovation and change at a group insurance carrier or you're in the group ecosystem, this podcast is made for you. I am joined today by two amazing guests. First, Michael Kelly, the CEO and founder of Phineos. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Doris. Yeah, and my Limelight uh, longtime co-founder, brother and CEO, Jason Andrew. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Garrett. Excited to have a conversation today. Yeah, man, it's going to be great. I'm extremely excited for this conversation. Um, We're going to have a chance to take a peek into our heads and hearts and understand the why we do the things we do. And uh, I always, I love the Simon Sinek uh, quote, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, the big why uh, behind this acquisition. So, you know, for me, I distinctly remember my why when I think about my why in the employee benefits industry. Um, when my passion came alive, I remember sitting in a conference room, speaking to the spouse of an employee, uh, picking the right benefits. And, um, you know, she was really concerned with this challenging medical conditions for one of their kids. And it was uh, in that moment, I realized the incredible privilege that I had to serve her family's health and well-being. And from that moment on, I've been moved by the industry and how we serve, which I know we're going to get into that. And you guys are going to be sharing some of that. So at the end of the day, you know, as I, I fast forward to our journey for the past, uh, you know, seven years, it comes down to making good decisions with data, whether it's an employee, whether it's an employer, a broker, a, a underwriter, an actuary, they're all involved in this process to help make a good decision. And uh, what I'm super excited about is, you know, now we collectively as Finios and Limelight, we have the honor to serve the full life cycle, quote to claim to renewal. So it's, it's really exciting. And as we jump in, I want to just call out three upcoming events. Uh, if you're listening and want to stay in touch with some exciting events, uh, we have our virtual concert, Limelight Infinios together, our first one together uh, next Thursday, September 3rd. And then also ITC Global is coming up September 21st to the 23rd. And uh, we as Limelight have the, the privilege of being the official music sponsor. So we're really excited to be a part of the all virtual ITC Global, really exciting. I'm not gonna share more because we're really excited of some stuff we're planning for that. And then in November, we'll be planning a Phineos Limelight Benefit Concert. Uh, lots of music and a focus on bringing awareness to mental health and embracing racial diversity. So again, lots of cool stuff coming up. Um, but without further ado, I wanna jump in and introduce, uh, we'll start with Michael. So Michael, I'm gonna just allow you to you know, introduce, explain a bit of your journey, how you got in the group industry and, and your role at Phineos. Thanks, Garrett. Yeah. So look, I've, I'm nearly 30 years or probably 30 years or more actually in the insurance software industry. Um, I went into it straight after college. I joined an insurance company in Dublin. And within a year, uh, I moved over to a software vendor that was uh, introducing a package solution into Ireland for insurance companies called uh, Paxos. And uh, shortly after that, I went to the UK and became the Paxos development manager for their life assurance software uh, for the core systems that they were selling back then. 
Um, I spent about six years with Paxos and went all over Europe. We put systems into uh, Denmark, Holland, Sweden, Norway, into Eastern Europe as the wall came down from Berlin, went into Poland, Romania, Czech Republic, and uh, really enjoyed that time as a single guy just traveling around Europe, uh, the Europe that was then. and then um, Paxos was bought out by a uh, US vendor called Continuum, which has since been rolled up into CSC. Um, and that vendor had already bought several companies before they bought Paxos, but Paxos was actually one of the better ones in Europe on the life side and in the Asia Pacific market. So um, within, I suppose, six weeks, I decided to set up uh, a software business myself and see if I could invent the next generation of life assurance systems. And what I was looking to do at the time was, um, the Paxos system was very policy orientated, so everything was kind of linked to a policy. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time, the industry was changing and um, insurance companies were going direct to client through uh, bank branches, to call centers and so on. Um, and, you know, before that period, they had stood behind brokers and brokers did all the work. So effectively, the customer service came from the broker. Mm. But certainly in Europe, the insurers were starting to think about um, going direct to clients. So you had these companies like Direct Line Life in the UK um, doing a tremendous amount of business over the telephone, direct to the customer. And then you had bank insurers as well in, in Europe where banks were basically transacting insurance business across uh, their branches and call centers. And so I could see that, uh, you know, insurers were going to struggle if they didn't have customer centric systems. So that was really the spark that, that uh, gave me the kind of uh, the incentive and insight to set up Phineas to be that kind of customer centric customer service orientated um, software solution. And I guess in the early days of of Phineas, uh, the first thing we went into was multi-channel customer management. Mm. Um, And we we called it customer management or customer service management. And we built a software system that could go out to uh, bank branches, call centers, and direct to brokers, direct to agents as well. And that would sit in front of the legacy environments in the back office. Mm. That was a big help to these banks and insurance companies that needed to talk to customers directly about policies. But we didn't realize it in Ireland, but we, what we were doing was invented a CRM system. Mm. And all of a sudden, this guy from the West Coast of the US came across uh, a fellow called Tom Siebel. And he came out of nowhere <laughs> and uh, started to compete in, in the insurance space. But he was in all kinds of industries at that stage. The whole CRM thing was becoming very, very much in vogue. Um, but we, we were only doing the CRM piece on the basis that we were going to build a policy admin system in the back office. Mm. And so um, we hooked up with uh, two or three life carriers in the Netherlands and in the UK. And uh, we began to build out, build out a policy admin system. But unfortunately for us, we had the, the dot-com crash. Yeah. And that kind of uh, set us way back. Mm. Uh, nobody wanted to buy the style of product we were developing for, which was that unit-linked, fund, fund-linked fund type product, investment products. So by 2003, um, we were pretty much in a bad place because uh, those three different carriers all decided to stop selling that type of product. And that was what we were building. And we had to pivot quickly in 2003 
And when we went back to look at, you know, what have we got here that we could build out from, we went back to the customer service piece and um, we began to look at the claim space. Yeah. And that's when we started to go into claims and we built Phineas Claims in 2003, 2004, 2005. And that opened us up into the US market, into the disability space and into Australia and New Zealand. And that, that really was the, mm. the, the kind of uh, genesis of Phineas. You know, we've always built yeah. systems around customer care, customer service and claim being the biz- biggest customer service and the whole reason yeah. for buying it. Um, insurance that was why we focused in there first so that's that's a bit of my background you know I've been doing the same thing now for over 25 years in in this insurance software business wow it's amazing going the distance and being faithful and running a marathon is uh, absolutely yeah I was always better at marathons at school than uh, sprints (laughs) (laughs) I always knew I couldn't sprint but I'd hang in till the very end yeah yeah oh that's awesome uh, thanks, Michael. Um, well, before we jump in, Jason, share a bit of your background story into the group insurance space, and then we'll go ahead and jump in. Yeah, you bet. And I, I love hearing uh, Michael's story, and there's a few more things that I could share that uh, were really cool from the, the time we had met earlier this year. Um, but, you know, I've been in the employee benefits industry for the last 20 years. We moved to the Bay Area, interestingly enough, in, in 2001. Uh, and a good friend of ours worked at Oracle uh, with Tom Siebel, Michael, and uh, so they were all just kind of getting those things going, and I didn't know what CRM was, and so that was brand new. But um, so we moved here, went to employee benefits, and when we got into it, what was exciting for me was similar to what you said, Garrett, was uh, the ability to be able to sit with a business owner or an employee, and let's say it was a 20-person company, and just talk with them about what their goals are, what their fears are, what they're trying to accomplish with their business. And, and particularly, you know, in the United States, 96% of all businesses have less than 50 employees. So the majority of our economy, there aren't a lot of Siebel's and Google's, you know, there's a few of those. But the majority of the backbone of our country is made up of just people that are working for small businesses that are less mm-hmm. than 50. And, and when you've got a company that size, you know, whether it's the CEO or the person running the office, they get to know each other, they care about each other. It's like they're concerned about their insurance costs. They're, you know, if someone gets sick and it's a key employee or their kid you know, has a problem, it impacts the whole business. And so you know, for 15 years, I got the privilege of you know, being here in Silicon Valley where there's tons of innovation. Lots of people wanting to start you know, businesses and become the next Google, which you know, 1% of companies ever start, ever get there. And the first thing that a lot of people would need, and, and I was acting as a broker, someone would make it big at Google, say, and they would have an idea, like I wanted to go and disrupt, you know, claims or medical, you know, uh, billing. And they would leave with their co-founder. And the first thing they would realize is, holy shoot, I got I have to now pay three grand a month for medical insurance. And they would call me and they would say, this is expensive. And they're mad and upset. And, you know, we can't do this. And because it was all paid for but now yeah. they've got their own business and they're thinking I've got deals. So I got to sit at the feet of just tons of really cool, smart, fun people trying to, some of them would build big things and they'd grow their company. Others would fizzle out. So I could just sit at the feet of a lot of people for years and yeah. help them with the coverage they need to run their life and not stress about whether they got disability or whether they, you know, their spouse, often we'd be on the phone because their spouse died and we'd have to be there to make sure that they got the coverage and their kids are taken care of. And it was really, um, you know, for me about that, which is how do we make it better? And the frustration for me 
was the, the, just getting a quote, which you and I got have talked about for you know years, right? That process, I, I've in in twenty years of being in this industry, I've probably lost five years just inputting crap in Excel. Time that I'll never get back because we had to do. We'd get a census from the employee. We have to get it to the carrier. We go back and forth for a week trying to get it, and and so that was really the genesis of starting Limelight. Was how do we make this a better experience? How do we build an ecosystem that has APIs we can connect? and not waste a bunch of time that I'd rather spend with my kids or my friends yeah. or building something strategic in, you know, manual redundant tasks. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what kind of led us here. And I think as I sat down, uh, we were introduced uh, by some mutual colleagues back in January. And I knew that Phineos had built a global brand and had built claims. What I didn't know was that Michael had spent the last five years in his team putting a hundred million dollars into a full suite that's SaaS based and so when we sat down, I heard his story of going through two downturns and just the perseverance and the grit and all that stuff. I was instantly inspired and enamored and thought, I want to work with this company and with, with Michael personally um, because it was super aligned with what we're doing. And so that's kind of uh, what's led to today. And um, I did run a marathon in 2000. Um, I would say I'm a runner, but I haven't really done one since. So I don't know I qualify anymore. <laughs> Um, but I did uh, also the hood to coast, which is 195 mile relay where you have a team of 12 and you each take three legs over three days cool. we did that twice um, in like late nineties, but the last 10 years and particularly the last six, since we started limelight, I've not been running. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to that and actually starting to run again. So that's, I love it. I love it. Well, all right. This, we have our, our, um, the three questions that we ask any guest on the show. So the first one, and Michael, you can go first. Uh, what's one personal fun fact about yourself can have nothing to do with insurance? Well, a fun fact, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, the way I would see uh, the, uh, the whole insurance industry, the way it is today in terms of uh, the legacy environment and so on. Um, one of the things that uh, for me was uh, in, in terms of getting into the whole computer side was my own dad was a COBOL programmer. Ooh, and nice. um, he started off in the very early 60s. Uh, so he worked in an IBM environment, you know, IBM mainframes, IBM midframes, IBM 360, 370, wrote a lot of COBOL, designed a lot of systems. And even, you know, when I was a kid coming through college, he got me a summer job in there and I worked with them. And the funny thing for me when I look back in those times, because there was about 70 in the, that department where he worked, all these COBOL programmers and designers and that. And uh, the way they worked was in teams of seven or eight people yeah. in squads like together. And each squad was focused on a particular area of the system. Um, so one squad or two squads might be working together on the accounts and, and another squad would be working on timetables and, mm. and uh, scheduling. Another squad might be working on the payroll systems because this was a very big company, big transport company. And, and when I look back on it now, I think, my God, like those guys actually worked in a very agile way. Yeah. And wow. These squads of eight were scrum teams. And in those scrum teams, they had, you know, product owner kind of system designer person. They had testers and then they'd COBOL engineers. And they basically, uh, they grabbed the problem, um, fleshed it out in terms of the, the backlog of requirements. And they, they wrote the code and they tested it all the way through as a squad and then delivered it. So, 
you know, when we look now today, and we're all talking about Agile and being able to pivot and so on, you know, I look back at my dad's day 50 years ago, you know, it, uh, it was just the, the way he started. Yeah. And when I would, like, he's passed away now about three years, but uh, when I used to tell him, you know, about some of the stories around some of the, the software systems I'd see and in insurance companies particularly, the green screen, mainframe, COBOL, IBM stuff. And, uh, you know, I'd say they, they still use that in the States and he would absolutely be shocked because yeah. we're over here in Little Ireland looking at the USA, went to the moon in the, the late 90s and, or sorry, the late 60s. And there's my dad sitting there, you know, five, 10 years ago thinking they're still using the same kind of technology that I worked on. So that's probably my fun fact, you know, just to yeah. watch his surprised face when I tell him, you know, some of our clients still have the stuff that you have, yeah. you know? Yeah, I that's, love it. That's funny. I thought that because uh, Garrett has, in honor of your dad, apparently the, the Cobalt background, he's been doing that in meetings. But go ahead with the story, Garrett, because I saw you put that up. Yeah, this was, this was from, I think it was, I don't have the 60, late 60s at MIT. Basically, it was a, a big Cobalt poster for a Cobalt um, uh, training at MIT. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty trippy um, design here. I actually really like it. Um, so I like to pull it up in backgrounds when we people start talking about COBOL. Um, it's, uh, yep. it's a great... It was a great, huge language. It was oh, the yeah. job of its time. Fab- yeah, I mean, fabulous I, language. What, when I, I did an earlier podcast um, talking about legacy systems, and when you when you look at leg, what does legacy system mean in Wikipedia, it says it, it paved the way for future standards. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool to think of, it, like, yeah. honor the legacy system and know that it's meant to pave the way for future technology. So anyways, I love this. I love this background. Um, Here's, here's another one. Then Jason, it's your fun fact. This is a a Fortran uh, punch card, punch card. They would literally, I mean, your dad probably knows all about these, um, but it's pretty, pretty amazing when you look at, we went from, uh, um, and this, just, this was incredible technology. You know, once we got this, yeah, Gareth, that card, right? I know that card so well because my dad used to take them home in his top pocket and he used those. The back of that was for his notes. So oh he gosh. wrote all his daily notes on, on the pa- those pads and he had a bunch of those in his pocket for his whole life. Wow. And when, he, when he was leaving his job, okay, and he left his job in his kind of late uh, 50s, he left that job and he took a load of those cards because they were kind of moving away into a, a kind of an online wow. environment. And he took boxes of those cards with him and they were in our garage for years. And he used to use them all the time until like he was in his mid eighties when he passed away. But uh, about 10 years ago, he ran out of those cards and he started asking me if I could get those cards. And of course I couldn't. So (laughs) what he started to do then was cut up cardboard boxes that he'd have, you know, the kind of breakfast cereal packages and stuff. And he made them up himself because he just got into such a habit with those cards. So that's kind of, you know, all habits die hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Um, Jason, fun fact. You want to talk about COBOL too? Fun fact, or you got, no, you got so I, I like, I like stories. So those, of, uh, those that know me and spend time with me and I'm a big um, family history and history buff. So my wife and I have kind of been the purveyors of our family history uh, for the last you know 24 years. And I, I kind of geek out on it. So, and there's a, I'm going somewhere with this, so bear with me. But um, so, uh, as part of it, you know, I've uh, traced back our family line long ways and then um, and, and done a lot of work there. So, you know, we're we're mostly about 83% uh, Northwestern European, and that mostly comes from Scotland and Ireland. 
And so one line, we were able to trace back all the way to 200 AD. And uh, basically a lot, for about a thousand years, our ancestors were um, basically, they ruled the Isles of Orkney in the northern part of Scotland. They were Earls of Orkney. So all the Vikings, there's good and bad there. And Garrett, you and I have talked about that there were some Irish monks that sailed in these really small little circular kind of, not even boats, like just like, they look like those sleds on snow across the channel to the Isle of Iona. Mm-hmm. And on the Isle of Ona in, in 500, they set up these monasteries that are still there. It's a pilgrimage where people go all over the world. And, and a lot of what happened in the Renaissance came from these monks who were Irish that went to Scotland. Unfortunately, it was my ancestors that raided and killed a bunch of them. So that's a whole other dark side of that story. But um, the, the Book of Kells is an example, which is in the, in the, yep. um, in the, at the university over in Dublin, was made on the Isle of Ona, Scotland. So um, all that to say, the idea that we also were acquired by a company born out of Ireland is like doubly special to me. I'm trying now to figure out how I can connect a kilt with Ireland because they're mostly Scottish. Um, so I haven't made that connection yet, so I'm going to research it. Now, the reason I say that is that I'm wearing a kilt right now, and I wear pretty much kilts all the time these days. My kids were embarrassed, but they're like, hey, now they think that it's kind of cool because I finally won them over. And, um, and so we went for the first time last year, I took my whole family and we went and visited um, a brewery in uh, Scotland and we went to the Isle of Iona. And so here's me outside um, the Orkney hey. brewery <laughs> in my kilt. And, um, nice. and so the, uh, the, that brew is made, they have a beer after um, Skull Splitter, uh, which was one of my ancestors who uh, was one of these Earls of Orkney and they've got this beer there. So anyway, by the time I went there, it used to be a cool thing, but the lady who runs it said, yeah, you and like a thousand other people come here saying that you're an you know, descendant. And so mm-hmm. she was like, welcome to the club. <laughs> um, but uh, so I like, you know, the, the history of that and, and just family history. And I think the yeah. connection of, you know, when we think about building something, whether it's a business um, or, or whatever it is, I think telling stories and being able to kind of connect the dots mm-hmm. where they're meaningful, um, because I think a lot of people like stories and connect with them. Um, so that's, that's kind of the fun fact is I'm kind of a family history geek and uh, I like to wear kilts and um, I've, got, uh, I've got ancestors who have a beer named after them and I, I like my Nice. Just to uh, to build on that one, Jason, the Scottish and the Irish are related, like we're cousins. We're all Celts, That's right. so we're all Celtic, and we actually speak the same Gaelic, um, so we understand fully the Scottish. And at one stage, long, long time ago, the Ireland was called Scotland, Scotialand. And so uh, the before the Romans, Ireland was actually called Scotialand after a princess, Scotia. And we all spoke uh, Gaelic, uh, Celtic language. Um, so therefore, we really are very, very close to the Scottish people. Um, the, the name MacDonald came out of Donegal in, in the north of Ireland. But the name Campbell um, is actually, Campbell goes right back in Scotland. But actually, Campbell was a MacDonald. And his, his nickname in Gaelic was Cam Bale, which was Crooked Mouth. So the Scots Campbells, which is their big famous name, actually was a McDonald from Ireland. So, um, and of course, you guys have McDonald's yourselves over there now, which is a totally different uh, brand name now. But yeah, everybody is related as once we go back far enough. And there's so many Irish in the States as well that uh, have that history from back here and uh, back to Scotland and so on. So 
yeah. we, we've traveled a lot and, and, and the Irish did it where we were forced to do it based basically over a couple of hundred years of you know yeah. lack of opportunity on this side of the world um, so America has been great for us to uh, go across and kind of build our our fortune so your ancestors probably took that opportunity and went across well yeah so my mom's side specifically more recently Carl Patterson and the Pattersons came from um, uh, Southern Ireland during the potato famine, went to Ohio. And yep. so I have all the history on their migration from Ireland to Ohio. And my mom hitchhiked from California to Ohio back in the 60s with me when I was one years old to go visit her mom and dad. Yeah. That And the, her grandparents had come directly from Ireland. Um, so there's lots of more recent connections there as well that are pretty cool. And, um, you know, nice. from the more immediate. Yeah, fantastic. Right. All right, let's let's keep the show rolling here. This is like, in, this is the longest, best kind of discussion on the fun facts that we've ever had. So, I won't <laughs> I won't call out too that I've written two songs on Celtic saints and how weird that is before Limelight even started. Saint yeah, Brendan awesome. and and Saint Patrick. I actually went and visited last year uh, the Hill of Slain, which is uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, a pretty awesome uh, place. More to come on that later. So. We've already, you guys in your intro, the second question, you talk about your passion for the group industry. So I feel like we're going to talk more about that. Um, before we jump on to the, the few main questions, right, we always call out um, someone that you admire in the group insurance ecosystem. Driving innovation change. Um, Jason, I'll start with you. It could be a carrier, it could be a friend, it could be a tech partner, anybody in the in industry that you're inspired by and that you want to call out. Yeah, there's a lot, but I'm going to be specific on a few. Uh, we were fortunate to uh, start right around when InsureTech became a thing. Because before 2013, nobody would talk to you about insurance or invest mm -hmm. money. And, uh, and that term didn't exist. You started seeing it show up in the media around late 2013, early 14. And uh, actually the person who coined it is Greg, Dana, uh, Greg Bailey of Denim, who's out in Des Moines, Iowa. So him and Brian Hemmesmith were uh, judges at the very first InsureTech conference out here in, um, in Silicon Valley. And we won first place at that was we pitched and then we built a relationship. But um, so Greg Bailey and then uh, Greg and Dustin Yoder, I've known Greg for uh, years because he's a broker here. And then Dustin, his son started Surify yeah. and Greg's been doing biz dev. And so seeing that father son team in the trenches and then Jennifer Fitzgerald, who runs policy genius, seeing her as a woman, um, you know, InsureTech leader and, and get more funding than any other woman in the U S in like the top five or whatever. But all three of those, all four of those, we were all kind of in the trenches with an idea, you know, six years ago, and we struggled and talked about and commiserated. We went to conferences together, went to the concerts at InsureTech, and um, you know, Greg just or Dustin just got a turtle. I saw it. I was texting him like, "You got a turtle? It's like this huge." So seeing them and us together go from just this idea and you know hundreds of startups and seeing their success and their growth. And being able to talk with them and commiserate has been, I, I admire the folks that just chart out with an idea and then also yeah. seeing them. And there's a lot more, but those, those are a few That's that great. stand out. Love it. Michael, what about you? Yeah, look, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm from the IT side and I look at the benefits industry as an industry that uh, is lagging. Um, obviously, it's woken up now and, and things are moving forward. But for the, the early days when we were in there, we were just doing claim systems. And uh, we were probably, you know, winning most of the deals in terms of our growth strategy over that first 10 or 15 years. But going back to 2014, Jason, when you guys started up, we did a study of the market in the U US on the benefit side. 
And what we were looking for was a, an area that we could move into that would extend us from claims into kind of something that was related. And we came back with the policy admin as, as uh, the place we should go next. And in particular, we came back with the idea that uh, Obamacare and this whole voluntary benef benefits drive was going to be a new phenomenon and that group carriers were going to look to do voluntary benefits and individual carriers were going to see if they could get into the group space in the future. So all the legacy we saw back in those days when we did that study um, really motivated us to kind of come up with the idea that we should build a group group and voluntary solution on the admin side, which would click in and connect to our claims product, but which would be a new product that would allow carriers to do both styles of business. And I pitched that at our conference in Toronto um, back in 2014. And, and one guy who came up to me at the end of it was a guy called Matt Marzi, who was with Cigna. And he was the CIO of Cigna at the time. And he said, look, I've, I've listen to your thesis there. I saw your investigation. You're right. There isn't anything in the space that's younger than 30 years old, a lot of failed projects. Um, but we would be interested in backing and getting involved in a partnership if you're really serious about building a full admin. And so this guy basically took me to his boss, the president and so on. And we spent a year doing the study together. And this guy had the vision, the same vision that I had uh, for the full admin suite. Um, but he also had the backing and respect of his business um, mm. as a CIO yeah. and the staying power to be able to carry it. So when I met his business uh, partners, because I'd been in the industry for a long time, um, I met his COO and I met his president and I met his CFO as well. And they all supported this guy. They all thought he was a superstar at the time. The COO told me that they were going to put a statue to, up to this guy in the reception for all the work he'd done and the money he'd saved him. And so I knew I'd backed a winner in terms of picking this guy to be the partner. And in fairness to Matt, like it's been, you know, 14 to 20 now, we're six years now. We've implemented that, that full admin suite over a year and a half. We've been migrating books off the systems. That was one thing he insisted on. He didn't want to just go for a new yeah. business. He wanted to migrate and reduce all his legacy and yeah. get rid of it. He was really adamant about that. So this is a guy who shared a vision with me and who executed on it and had the staying power. And when I met his boss and, and we were having the final come to Jesus meeting around the contracts, his boss said to me, like the president of the company, he said, what's your biggest fear here on this contract? We're, we're about to sign a major contract with you, well over you know, $100 million. Um, what is your biggest fear? And I looked him in the eye and I said, my biggest fear is that you pull out in two or three years time. This is going to be a five-year program and it needs staying power. And that's my biggest fear. And he sat back straight away and said, oh, that's a surprising statement. And I said, yeah, well, look, I've seen it before. You know, it really does need staying power. And insurance carriers um, are notoriously under pressure, you know, financially. Um, yep. They pulled away from this be these big strategic projects that may have delivered something they just didn't have the staying power and the loyalty to them. So for me, you know, if I was looking at the group benefits industry, I would say Matt Marzi and probably not a lot of people know him because he doesn't mix around there. He just gets to home with his job and then he's home mm -hmm. with his family. So he's not a guy that's out on the circuit or anything like that. Um, so that definitely Matt in the group benefits industry. Wow. And, and it's because of the achievement and what he's done with his, uh, you know, the tenacity, the team he has and the vision that he followed. Wow. I, I always uh, bring the this back to around it. You know, it takes. A, I have three kids, and my wife and I 
takes a village to raise a family and it takes a village to raise up the insurance industry, uh, specifically the group insurance industry. And so all of these folks we're talking about um, are a part of that village. And so it's exciting to be inspired by them. So thanks for the yeah. story there, uh, Michael. And same with you, Jason. Um, <clears throat> okay, so the, the, the few big questions that we're gonna spend the rest of the time on, and, and Michael, I'd love to start with you, right? Um, talk, speaking about the acquisition, um, can you, you know, tell us the why? What's the why behind the acquisition? Uh, you've already kind of touched on it, but just, you know, open up on the why uh, and your vision here with this acquisition. Well, I, I guess, Garrett, yourself and, and Jason founded a really good company. You're both, you know, ex-employee benefit brokers. You know the space, you know the problem statement. Um, and I'd heard about you guys last year in the marketplace, and I was speaking to a lady in a carrier, and she had worked in another place where we had a, had a system as well. And I was just catching up with her as you do, you know, just give somebody a call and see how, how they're doing in the new place. And she asked me, had I heard of Limelight Health? And I said, no, I hadn't heard of them. And she said, oh, you've got to meet these guys. These guys are great fun, she said. <laughs> so straight away, being Irish and, and having a yeah. bit of sense of humor, I said, how do you mean? Oh, look, they sing and they're, you know, they, they really know the benefit space at the front end, but they're actually good, good fun, she said. So uh, I said, I've got, to, I've got to meet these guys. And uh, I used a mutual uh, contact that uh, one of the consultants and uh, one of, he's on our board now. And I've, I asked him to see if he could get us an intro. And that's when I met Jason in, in New York. Um, Jason and I spent the best part of a whole morning and lunch together and had a huge discussion around the industry, around the problems, around the issues that you guys were seeing from the front end. And, yeah. I was explaining, you know, where we come from, the back end, the claim side, the payment side, the complexities, and of course, what we would have done with Admin Suite and Cigna. So we, we were both addressing the same industry. You know, quickly I was asking what the tech stack was. And of course, it was very similar to ours, both running on Amazon as a cloud. And just getting to know the guy and listening to what he was talking about, his leadership team and the colleagues like yourself and so on. I just said to him, look, I think what we definitely have to partner and work together because we don't have quote uh, rate underwrite and it's a really important piece of the jigsaw as part of the admin suite. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll partner with you guys and work alongside you. Uh, but, you know, if it's possible, maybe we could get together and actually see if we could join the two businesses mm -hmm. and grow faster together. And he was exactly the same. He said, absolutely. He said, we've We've gone through several rounds of funding and we have some carriers who own the business. You know, they, they've invested heavily carrier venture venture funds. So he said, we've got to persuade them, but, uh, and they'll obviously want the best price and so on and a fair deal. Um, but he said, it, generally, I think there would be support for it at our board level, but, uh, you know, leave it w with them. And within six months, here we are, we closed the deal yeah. last week and yeah. uh, we're working together now as a team. And it feels really good. It feels all the, the positive support we've had in the marketplace, our customers, your customers, just generally, you know, the market has seen it as a very good move between yeah. the two of us. There's yeah. no overlap, which is beautiful, mm -hmm. you know? It's a beautiful um, thing. It's very US-focused uh, uh, merger, although we can take you guys international and so on, but uh, you can help us even in the States to go faster and, and uh, to really understand better, you know, some of the problem issues. Um, but you guys are doing the quote on the right rate and uh, we're doing the rest of it. 
And I think together, when we put the two businesses together, we're going to have, you know, the one team, as we always say in Phineas, but also um, a very focused, pure play employee benefits platform that no one else has. So that's, that's really the reason why, you know, and hopefully we'll have a bit of fun along the way and we'll tell a few more Irish tales. (laughs) (laughs) Better believe it. Sing a few songs. Yes, that's right. I love it. Jason, you want to add anything or I've got a, a big question for you, but just want to give you a moment to respond to that. Yeah. If you want to ask that question, yeah. I can kind of do a segue because I do have a response to that and a picture um, that I can show, but uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead with your question and I'll respond. So, you know, from your perspective, we'd love to, I would, of course I know kind of the answer because I was a part of this process, but what do you think this, this acquisition means for the employee, employee benefits industry? Yeah. When you when you look on the landscape, yeah. So um, I want to add a little bit to what Michael had said about our journey to get to where you know we just got to, which was um, I'd say in the beginning of you know end of eighteen, beginning of nineteen. We also really began to look at the market, work with uh, um, analyst firms and some others internally and externally to really kind of assess um, one, what's the real need here, and do we have what we need alone to be able to really capture the market because um, we really see there being a big shift, some of that which took place probably 20 years ago in PNC and, and benefits lagging behind PNC, I think is now ripe for really um, some change and modernization. And so we started seeing carrier customers and uh, prospective customers and partners really making those wider investments as there's both been money coming into the space. But we knew that we had underwriting and rating uh, a lot like, you know, Phineas started with claims or Guidewire started with claims. <clears throat> and we knew that we didn't have a complete suite. And, and, and we, as we were competing for more business, we were seeing more and more competition. And we were also seeing that there were some opportunities that we didn't have everything we needed. So we did a great job, as you know. I think you were a lot of uh, the reason for that and building partnerships and the ecosystem. So I think we built out a great ecosystem and connectivity and API driven, which we want to continue to do. But we knew there were some things lacking. And so we needed the policy admin billing and claims. And the question was, we're going to build that, you know, which we, we saw just what a lot of others did. I, mm-hmm. I learned that Michael spent five years and $100 million. And I thought, okay, that's going to be a long trog for us to try and do that. Um, even if we could be successful, we may miss an opportunity. So when I got the introduction to Michael, I didn't know that they had built that and uh, that it was all SaaS on Amazon and that now they had billing claims uh, you know, rating and uh, not rating, sorry, billing claims and, and policy admin, as well as you know, time and attendance and just this whole thing, but did not have underwriting rating. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of meeting and knowing I hadn't seen anything like that in the market. That this would be an amazing combination that would help the market really accelerate. Um, and then I think to Michael's point and your, you know, Garrett, you and I talked about how important culture is and having fun and yeah. trying to enjoy life as we go. When I sat down with Michael. I got to tell you, and I'll show you the picture here. We met in this uh, hotel in New York, and um, I, after it was over, I asked him, I said, hey, can we take a picture? Because within 15 minutes of meeting him and listening to his story, I thought, this is the man I want to work with and the company we need to go with. And uh, I took this picture in the lobby and said, hey, someday this picture is going to mean something. Oh, you can't see it, I guess. Well, anyway, that's us shaking right. hands there. <laughs> nice. I'm trying to do it in real time. But anyway, so um, – and we took that picture and that was it. We left and then I didn't know that we would ever get anything done. And, you know, there was a long seven months um, in terms of kind of working together. We ran a process and, and there were a lot of folks that, that came to the table we had discussions with. But I think that for the market, um, 
you know, we can still do components, whether it's a microservice and just yeah. do rating or just do claims, build our ecosystem, leverage APIs and continue to build where there's pain points, connectivity. Um, we can come in and, and, and do an ecosystem and say we can connect if it's carrier says, hey, well, we already have our policy admin, we've got this. Uh, or we can come in now with a full suite and it's truly SaaS based, it's configurable, and we can go from, you know, quote to claim, which is kind of the yeah. vision we've had. Here. You and I talked about this, right? Yeah. We started this, like that Big was deal. the original vision. So the fact that we can now do that and offer it and we can go to customers or anybody in the market and, and we can, exp we had a lot of demand that was coming inbound internationally. We just, we had to say no, which I hate doing. <laughs> we didn't have capacity, but now we've got a global footprint. Uh, we'll focus on the U S um, you know, but we can, we can also grow there. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity from the market, even if I wasn't doing this and I was evaluating it objectively uh, and looking at everything going on in the marketplace, yeah. I don't think there's any better combination or yeah. more mature product stack or one that's connected uh, out there on, you know, yeah. right now. And uh, just, I think there's a lot of really great opportunity for, for everybody as part of this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Sorry, Garrett, I was gonna say, like we have the ability to sell best of breed you know, yep. which is your platform, our platforms like claims or claims and absence management, yep. the, the, uh, the IDAM product we have. Um, and we can fit around what a carrier has today. But the important yep. part is that the carrier shouldn't be developing software, yep. not, not core systems. You know, they should buy the components off us. And then, you know, they can keep, the, as Jason says, keep whatever legacy or whatever third-party systems they have. And we'll fit around that. And then that gives them future options if they ever want to do something new with a different component. You know, we can talk to them again. But we're not going to be kind of pushing this down everybody's throat in, in terms of the end-to-end -end solution. Yep. But it's there as an option, the end-to-end -end yep. solution, which is beautiful, really, to be able to go from claim to or from quote to claim, um, which truly is what a carrier needs in, at yep. the end of the day as a core system, to be able to mix and to unify the system so all the workflows processes and all the products and everything just comes into one place and effectively is available to everyone. So quickly people can kind of yep. see what's going on. And then they've got that digital connect, you know, the APIs, as Jason said, outside and they can connect to whatever third party, nice technologies and sure techs and so on that's outside the house. Yep. So every carrier can still differentiate, yep. but it'll be around the edges rather yep. than in the core. The core is what we want to focus in on, you know, together. Yeah, you know, Garrett, if I can just add uh, one, and you and I have talked about this just briefly, and then, and, you know, is if I think about, again, I'm biased, right, because I'm passionate about what we're doing. But if I try and step out, I think about what Lima is doing with their standards, what NAIC is doing, trying to, you know, really move legislation and, and help it because it's a very regulated industry. It's, it's, um, it's not a knock on any of us, like you said. It's like there's, there's kind of building blocks to get where we're trying to go. But the industry has still been so antiquated one of the frustrations as a, as an innovator or somebody who's trying to make a difference that you and I've talked about. And, you know, I watch it in Silicon Valley is like where you start to see industries that get disrupted, really that disruption is improving. Right. And so there's all kinds of changes, but with our industry, it, we spend so much time customizing things that end up being so costly and so difficult that you, you're not able to focus on the really important stuff, which is actually innovating and working on user experience or data analytics to be able to improve what we want to do, which is people's lives and the coverage they have. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of an appeal, frankly, to the industry right now that says we, we really do, what Michael said, have to get to a point where we're not going into deals and doing custom work for a specific carrier, but that carriers and the industry can leverage the best thinking so that, you know, if you look at like banking, you can come up with someone can hack together. I mean, I'm using that lightly. I'm no disrespect to PayPal and, and, you know, like Stripe, but you can focus on a beautiful user experience like a Stripe. It's so easy to use because the infrastructure is there. Whereas in our industry, we got to spend just like a year sometimes just doing some, you know, clunky thing because like, you know, we've got to customize it. And so I do think that that's really important right now. that There's a push between both NAIC and all the regulations, LIMRA pushing for API standards and, and everybody else from, from, you know, collaborating in the ecosystem to go, how do we get to the point where we can all like focus on like how we're actually innovating, not doing custom, like build stuff. And I just, I'd add to that as well, Jason, sorry, Garrett, I know you want to get in there. uh, Just in terms of that, like, you know, being a pure play benefits player, uh, Limelight and, and ourselves, you know, we're verticalized right into the industry. So that's all we do. Like we've over a thousand people now that that's all they do. They live and breathe this benefits platform that we have. And no one else has that. You know, you've got PNC vendors and other vendors trying to come into the space from the policy side or from another side. And, you know, they're bringing in stuff which is really not suitable. And I know from my own background with Paxos, we, we tried to do the same years and years ago in the, in the old COBOL AS400 world where we had a PNC system, we tried to bring it into the life area. Now we got it in so far in the individual market, but then really we had to reinvent and we had to rewrite the whole thing for the individual market. But then we tried to bring it to the group market and we got snookered again, we got caught again. Mm. And effectively, you cannot go from an individual style policy admin system to a group system. You'll get so far around linking uh, policies and so on and a kind of grouped individual, but you will not get to a pure scheme system. Uh, and particularly at the high end. And I knew that over the past 30 years. So when we, we developed our Phineas Admin Suite, we actually developed it from the group side first and then came down into the voluntary benefit side. And that is something which is unique as well in that we've developed a brand new group system. And of course, that's what I liked about Limelight is that you were already in the group benefit space and you really understood that as well. So I think we do have something unique. And I think, you know, as Jason says, I don't think carriers should be developing core software yeah. anymore. I think they should just be buying components or buying a full platform. Yeah. I love it. I The way I've been talking about it recently, just since the acquisition, right, is more about the customer-centric approach, uh, best-in-breed customer-centric approach versus the vendor-centric approach where vendor is just trying to sell everything they have, even if it's not fully yeah. all there. And, yeah. you know, we, ha- we as an industry and as, you know, a platform – have to remain customer centric, customer obsessed, um, and whatever yeah. that mean, whatever that means, and that's really gonna you'll we'll never lose if we're customer centric, customer obsessed, uh, understanding this legacy needs to stay. This other modern system's already here. What's best for you in the long term? Um, yeah. And ultimately, you know, the vision. I you know when we talk about it, right? The best in breed end to end solution is the vision right now, like that. And it's a race, right? For the in the group space, there's no end to end best in breed solution, and um, it's exciting just to see where the industry is going to evolve and what we're going to be doing. And um, I'm glad, Michael, that you uh, you believed in us. I'm glad that we get to do this together. Yeah, absolutely, Garrett. And I will say something else. 
absence management is a game changer in yep. the employee benefits market. It yep. is a true game changer. Every carrier needs an absence management solution as part of their core system. No, it shouldn't be outsourced to TPAs or it shouldn't be sitting on a kind of a, an island of a system. It needs to be integrated and part of the, the full suite of the benefits package that you offer to employers. And I'm excited as well because I think we can bring that absence play into your suite. Yep. Um, we've already brought it into the full admin suite. So we basically have the absence um, integrated into the Phineas platform in terms of the admin suite on the policy, the billing side. And of course, our claim system is the market leader over in uh, the States, you know, the disability side. Like we've got yep. more carriers. We've been doing that for 15 years. So we have a lot of carriers on the claim space that already use Phineas. So yeah. our carriers are starting to see the possibilities. And I have to say, as I said at the start, there's been a lot of excitement on the announcement of getting together with you guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't even echo that enough. It's been uh, super exciting and we're just getting started and uh, it's gonna be great. So, yeah. so as, we, as we land this plane, do either of you want to you know, say anything else, um, throw in anything else just to answer these big, big questions, the why behind this? Uh, it'd be great to... Uh, I have one more thought, but given you the yeah. questions, I'll wait for your questions. Um, but if you're good, we're, I, no, I, I think we're, I think, thing. yeah, I think we're tackling and okay. we've just been going with the flow. So yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah. So as you, um, as you and I talked, I tried, you, you mean Alan actually tried to yeah. articulate this, you know, over the years, which was, it was kind of a, always a stretch, right? Which was, you know, the vision was ultimately we want to get the right product to the right people for the right price at the right time when they need it, usually during renewal. Yep. And usually it's like difficult to get there going back to what you said at the beginning, which is, Hey, I sat down with this, you know, mom and want to make sure. And so, but we were struggling with that. Like, Hey, you know, we're really doing like underwriting and rating for carriers. It doesn't really touch the consumer. So it was a stretch to yep. give people at limelight the why we're doing this because ultimately mm -hmm. it was always about, how do we actually make sure people have the coverage they need? So what I'm really, really inspired by is that Phineos has articulated that vision and I think we actually can execute on it, which is the vision is a world where protection from illness, injury and loss is accessible to everyone. It's literally what we were trying to do, but now we've got the front to end, we've got the administration, we've got the claims and there's so much that we can do on a global basis if you think about like growing up for me, I was often like I was poor. I was on welfare. We, we had to have government subsidies. My teeth are crooked to this day because I didn't get braces. And the dentist just said, Hey, like you got to hold your teeth. It was ridiculous, but I didn't have protection. Like I should have had protection. And so the idea that we can actually like, I, it's more of a mission for me at this point than just sure. a business. Like it's, it's pretty cool that um that that's the vision i feel like michael and phineas have articulated that in a way we couldn't and actually we have the team and the software to actually execute on it in a way that can actually impact people's lives which is super exciting I, um and so uh, i'm really looking forward to just being part of it and, and being here to do this yeah i love yeah, it thank, thanks jason i think that vision has been in phineas for well over 10 years and it's really important to me as well because, you know, as, we, as I said, we started in claims and when we, we went into claims over 15 years ago, we felt we were in that customer care area and protecting people. Um, so we help our customers care for the people they serve through the, uh, the 
application of modern insurance technology. That's our core purpose. So our purpose and our vision is linked, but the vision is really all about better lives, people living longer and having a better quality of life and not having to have those kind of moments that you would have experienced in your youth, as you say, uh, just looking after people. And I think that's generally a very motivational, you know, um, kind of ethos to have. And it's not like I've watched it develop over the years and protection now these days is more than just in, in the kind of caring sense in a claim. And the carriers have realized this as well as medical people and everybody else. It's about protection from having a claim. So prevention. Mm -hmm. So it's health and wellness. It's well-being. It's prevention. You know, it's keeping people healthy, making them live longer. That's what our vision is all about. And look, it's even, you know, for me, I, I met my wife, uh, well, nearly 20 years ago, and we're still crazy about each other. But her her industry is organic food, and she's she's been mm. in the organic food business for 20 years. Wow. And since I met her, actually, I've lost about 20 pounds, and I haven't even noticed it. But uh, like <laughs> nice. organics and, and good food and good living, and you want your kids to be healthy and so on, and the younger people want that as well. So yeah. I think our vision is is one that uh, everybody shares, and and a lot of carriers are talking about the same thing as well now that they really do understand this and they want that, and so the health and well-being and the health and wellness part of of uh, this coming into the employee benefits industry is really important, and the third kind of wave of that as well is that the employers want it, yep. so it's a win-win-win. Employers want this, like we want this as a company in Phineas. We want health and well-being, look after our people, make sure they're engaged. So we're kicking an open door in terms of what we're all trying to do, the carrier ourselves and, and uh, other vendors and even governments, the way we're seeing paid leave being brought into the US market, you know, to protect people, as you say, Jason, um, the COVID payments at the federal level, like there's tremendous stuff going on in the world in terms of the positives. And, uh, you know, I just think that's going to continue and hopefully, you know, that's going to benefit everybody, but every kid should have a chance and fair play to you in terms of where you came from, as you said, like um, to get to where you are today, like that's a tremendous uh, achievement in terms of you, for you personally and for your family. I think I hear another podcast where I have to do Garrett on like health and wellness and food and your drink concoctions that you've always uh, promoted to us. Like yeah. we're going to like, have a whole other podcast sometime. I see it. And, and it's a whole other story about my passion about health and wellness and prevention that we never got to do anything with. So um yeah, we're going to have to look I'll, uh, I'll bring my wife in on that one, Jason. <laughs> well, yeah, I've been plant-based for like six months. I uh, can't say my wife is fully fully, uh, fully on that train yet, nor are my kids. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a big part of, of my journey in the last few years. And I got into consumer-driven health. That was how I, in 2001, when HRAs came out, this idea that people could be empowered to, you know, wholeness and, and health in different ways to use their dollars that their employer gave them. Anyways, that's another podcast. Yeah. We should totally do that. I want to thank you guys both for, yeah. uh, for coming on. It means a lot to me that we could have this conversation and we can share it with the world. So uh, again, Jason, Michael, I'm super excited for our future. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. You guys have a really great day. Good.